This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Every year, one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts of up to 89% off USPS and UPS services, so your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. It's like your own personal post office. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Muck Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, including my favourite, the Quarter Pounder with cheese. Mm. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery, so the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get reward points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode six of the Stacey West podcast. I am your co-host, Ben, and this week I'm joined by Gary. How are we doing, mate? Hello, mate. Yeah, I'm not too bad, and I will smoothly pass it along one more because we also have a uh, a guest of the uh, first guest, actually, isn't it? The first guest we've ever it had is. on the show. Um, he's got a famous brother, which I think is probably something he's looking to adjust today. So hello to Sam Ray. How are you doing, Sam? Hi, guys. Not too bad. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. No worries. Tell uh, us no about- worries, man. Tell us about your famous brother. Well, I'm meant to be the art one in the family as the musician, but my brother Chris is responsible for the Cowley Method. Oh, okay. CJ. I like to think that I'm the inspiration behind it, often giving him the ideas, (laughs) but not many. (laughs) Excellent stuff. Well, um, we will kick off, uh, as we always do, uh, with a recap of the last match. Which was, I mean, I think it's the best Saturday afternoon I've had in a very, very long time. Um, the the two one victory over MK Dons. Um, I, I mean, where do we start? Do we start with with when we went one nil down? Do we start with the immediate resurgence when the Lancaster went over? Do we start with the, you know? Do we start with the end or um, where do we start with this one, Gary? It was it was incredible. Yeah, I think. I mean, I think we spoke when we first uh, Crawley game. And we were saying how you just didn't feel like it was at it. We turned up before the game. It all felt a little bit flat. This was the exact polar opposite. And the second yep. you got to the ground at one o'clock on Saturday afternoon, it just felt right. It was buzzing. It was a brilliant game of football um, for from a from a kind of engrossing point of view. You know, it wasn't chance after chance after chance. It's two very, very good teams playing football the right way. Um Obviously, they scored. I never thought we would lose the game, even when they scored. When the Lancaster went over it, it was one of those moments that I know when we're 80, I mean, I might not get to 80, but when people fitter than me are 80, they'll be sat around talking about the day the Lancaster went over and we won 2-1 against MK Dons. Um, I, I, I just thought it was brilliant. What do you think, Sam? Well, for me, it, it was really building up before the game even started, probably about 10 minutes before kickoff. The atmosphere was really picking up straight away and 
what was really good about the entire game was both teams really went at it and it just felt like such a good game of football. Both teams were trying to put their style onto the game and just really thoroughly enjoyed the game. And obviously we won. Yeah, absolutely. I, th- I think the um, the thing with that was, you know, the, it's so easy to go, oh, it was a blood and thunder game, you know, it was a good advert for League Two and all the rest of it. But although they're cliched, you know, sort of cliched uh, sayings, it's it's true. Like, you know, we we went at it in, in you know, in the, in the way that we, we do. We we mixed it up, we got it on the floor, we, we occasionally got it long. And I just thought when we went, when we went one nil down, I actually, I think I, I texted you at the time, Gary, and I said, I was just about to text you to say there's only one team that looks like it's going to score. And that was us. I think we were, we were really starting to, to put the pressure on MK Dons and then they, you know, got a sort of smash and grab goal, um, which kind of took the wind out of the sails. But I think you said it best in the, in the blog, you know, that the, immediately you heard that growl of the engines and, you know, I saw obviously sitting, sitting at the top of the co-op, I saw quite a, over the top of Stacey West, and I just looked and went, I nudged my, uh, nudged my wife and just went, that's the lank. Bloody hell. And like, it just, as it got louder and louder, it just came over and it, it I, I have never, never known an atmosphere like that when we've just gone one nil down. Um, and then, yeah, to turn it around the way we did was, I think as soon as we got that equaliser, there was only one team that was going to win it. I don't think MK Dons stood a chance after that. What do you reckon? The soon the the soon as the engine growled, there was only one team going to win it. And I mean, I'm getting a like a little shiver at the back of my spine now. And it's it sounds a little bit twee. People listening to us might go, "Oh, you know, it was a plane flying over." But you know, it's ingrained in our culture with obviously the six one seven, with the going even further back when we used to do the Dambusters. And it, it was just so perfectly timed. And you know, let's not take anything away from MK Dons. They're the best team that we've seen at Central Bank this season. Oh, 100%. Watch them when they defend. They, they defended. I like to picture them as one of those table football games, like they were on rails. Like they all moved. We were looking to pick them apart. So we were playing the ball from side to side, which I know gets criticism, but it, you know, that's what we do. And they were moving. They were not letting the gaps between their defenders get any smaller or any larger. They were just so in tune with each other that I thought there's no way. I, I actually thought there was. it was probably going to be nil-nil until late on and we might snatch it. I, I couldn't see both teams scoring. Um, and, and even towards the end of the game at one all, they could have run the ball into the corners. They could have done a bit of game management and you know, nobody would have blamed them. But they didn't. You know, they kept going for the game. And to a degree... I think that made it better for everybody in the stadium. Um, you know, it was just it, it was just phenomenal. What do you think, Sam? Do you think they're the best team we've seen this season? Defensively, yeah, I was going to say exactly the same thing. Uh, they played so well at the back, and um, is it more Taylor who they brought back from Exeter? He was just yeah. excellent the entire game. He, he was come, stepping out of the defence and dropping back in. Um, they played three at the back, didn't they? And they the way that the, the wing-backs were just dropping in and out, just stopping Andrade and Anderson. I don't actually think it was Andrade and Anderson's best game for us. It wasn't a game where you saw them constantly running down the wings, getting past the defenders. They just played so well at the back and it really did take those two set pieces to really get them apart. I was going to say, I think I think you're right in that um, the you know it wasn't um, it wasn't set up for Andrade and Anderson to run the show. I think uh, they they worked incredibly hard, and I think they did really well. I think I know Gary, you sort of gave uh, you gave Andrade your man of the match, and I think yeah. he he did exceptionally well against a very very well marshaled defence. Um, they were they were brilliant. You know, I think 
um it was it, it was difficult because i think the um you know like you say the, the well marshaled defense and obviously tisdale is, is a very good manager um and i just think it was um it, it was a really entertaining game of football. I think Danny said as much in his post-match interview. Um, but let's let's quickly talk about the goals because um, obviously the you know the MK Don's goal basically came out of nothing. Um, it was a it was a set piece from from our side that kind of went a little bit awry, and that seemed to be the story of the afternoon until you know very very late on. But um, I mean. It was a quick break from MK Dons. I think if they'd have shown a little bit more of that throughout the game, then maybe we would have been a bit more. It would have been a bit, uh, probably a bit more dangerous, and we wouldn't have come away with with you know the three points. I don't think if they'd have shown that that cutting edge all the way through the game. Um, but as for our two goals, I mean, where I sit in the in the co-op stand from uh, from my line of sight to Shea McCartan to the corner of the goal was basically a straight line. And I have not seen a, you know, a shot with that much power in it in a very long time at Central Bank. I'm surprised the, you know, I'm surprised the net stayed on the, uh, on the frame. It was a fantastic shot. Um, and then Jason Shackle popping up in the 94th minute. I, I mean, what can you say? It was, I, I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it now. It was just, I think, Again, I think I texted Gary at about eight, half past eight, and I said, I'm still buzzing. It was just unbelievable. Um, but then unbelievable is what we come to expect from Lincoln at this point, surely. Yeah, well, I felt like I wanted to go out clubbing, and I've been beyond clubbing since I was 21. I've been going on 40 since uh, since my 21st birthday, and <laughs> I was buzzing. I think it, uh, uh, Shackle's goal, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shell. I'm going to put it to one side because it was always coming. We've seen Lincoln City do it. 101 times from the Danny Cowley. That's not literal. That's, that's me exaggerating. Um, so I'm, I'm going to rewind. I'm going to go to the MK Don's goal first of all, because I actually don't think they could have done that all afternoon because I don't think our setup allows teams to normally break like that. I think that we tend to have the two midfielders, um, in O'Connor and Pet, um, who, by the way, is an outstanding footballer. Um, oh, absolutely. They they almost they almost screen that kind of quick break and I, I, you know, I think it's only every so often that, that somebody gets to hit us like that. I mean, when we say a quick break, let's, let's be a little bit more honest. It was a long ball. Um, mm. That's what it was on Didders and and the player kind of you know nine times out of ten Shackle wins the tackle, which mm. could be a song actually. Shackle wins the tackle, but anyway, <laughs> you know, nine times out of ten he does. On that occasion, he didn't. They scored. As for Shane McCartan, I was in a, a box behind the goal. Um, obviously, uh, enjoying corporate hospitality and the the way he hit it, yeah. For a second, you you can see him shaping up for it, and you just think, "Oh Jesus, no!" Because I know my car's parked not far away, and you know I'm worried about the windscreen. Um, and then when every so often a footballer connects with a ball, and it's it's just so sweet. It's you know FIFA wouldn't dare put that sort of. Um, that sort of uh, mechanic in because it doesn't look like it's something that a human has done. And, and that was how he caught it. It was just one of those that oh, you could live again and again. Um, and I think, I think probably to wrap up MK Dons, we'll pass over to Sam and, and probably find out what he thought about Shackles winner. Uh, well, can I be really controversial? My yeah. uh, thoughts the last two games is that set pieces have actually in general been quite poor. 
Like, at the Macclesfield, oh, yeah. at, at the Macclesfield game, so many of the corners were either not getting to the post or just going out for a throw on the other side. But I think it's got to be testament to how much time and effort they put into practicing these. You know, it's, it's uh, Nicky who comes up with all these ideas for the different corners and to stick with uh, the corner takers because so many of them, even in the MK Dons game, were just just not getting anywhere near where the ball wanted to be. And you could see some of the players a little bit frustrated. So it was, it was great to see them stick at, stick at it. And it was such a great uh, header. There's a great photo. I think it was by Graham. Um, the ball's just hit Shackle's head and he's got the biggest grin on his, on his face because he, he just knows it's in. So it was just such a, I, I don't know. Don't know if I've jumped so I jumped so high and think my head nearly hit the top of the stand sitting on the back row, but yeah, <laughs> great to go. Yeah, I mean, do, do you think? I think I spoke to somebody earlier. I mean, we we will wrap it up. Um, I spoke to somebody earlier today that was at the game, and they said it felt like that didn't feel like a league game. That didn't feel like just three points. That felt like that felt like an important game, and you know, a really important day. Um, I mean, what, what do you what do you think to that, guys? Do you reckon it was it was one of those moments where you just think, oh, we're onto something here? At the time, it was the most important game of the season, and 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 now it's just something we take a bit of um, put some winds in our sails, so to speak. But I do know we spoke on the podcast um, last week about when the day we lost three two to MK Dons, and we saw you know this fantastic performance, this swashbuckle in Lincoln City, which, to be fair carried on for a short while and then crumbled. And I, I I just got a feeling again that we were watching the best Lincoln City of a period of time, probably the best Lincoln City in my lifetime, absolutely certainly the best Lincoln City since um, John Schofield's first half of the season in 2006 and seven. So um, yeah, I, I get where you're coming from on that. Yeah, 100% on that. Well, what we'll do from now is uh, is put MK Dons behind us. Um, there, there is something that we will touch on again uh, in a few minutes related to the, to the game um, but we'll focus on Cheltenham um, coming up this Saturday um, I mean it, what what do we think is it, it, it it's not exactly going to be an easy game I mean that you know as we all know that there are no easy games in League 2 but given Cheltenham's current run of form and you know that obviously they're not nowhere near where they they would like to be um, what do we reckon I mean I'll, uh, I'll throw it over to Sam first. Sam, what what are your thoughts on on Cheltenham as a side, and and you know, are they where they deserve to be in the league at the moment? And uh, yeah, how do you how do you see Saturday playing out? I think it's going to be a really tough game. Um, our record against Cheltenham is is not great to actually look at. We've only beaten them, I think it's about twice since two thousand and four. Uh, mm. only once there and that was when we happened to be bottom of League 2 at the time and the, the other time we beat them was at uh, home 1-0 last year um, I think they are in the right place in the league table I don't think their recruitment was the best uh, obviously they got Sean Long from us so it'd be good to see him again I don't know I believe that we offered him a contract but I think yes. they offered him full-time football, which is what uh, anyone would take, I think, in Sean's position. Um, mm-hmm. Sacking the manager was probably the right thing to do. They've Obviously, they came up the year before us. They didn't do anything last year, and now they're struggling again. Sacking the manager is probably the right thing to do. 
and I think they're going to be one of them teams who are either going to be mid-table, not really doing anything, snatching some results, or they could be going down that way to be battling it out with our friends up the A46. <laughs> uh, what do you reckon, Gary? Um, yeah, well, I mean, obviously I do. I, I, I kind of decide. And first of all, obviously, I'm going to be disappointed because we won't see Sean Long. He hasn't kicked the ball for him as yet in league action. Um, but they do have uh, a lad called Ryan Broom. Now, um, I'd looked at the numbers and, and he's certainly their biggest threat. He's had most shots for them this this season, which is 13. And then I listened to the D3, uh, D3, D4 podcast and they, they highlighted Broom as well. Luke is a big Cheltenham fan. Now, Broom's come from Bristol Rovers. He scored his first professional goal at the weekend. Um, he's a little midfielder, but he's, he's a scrapper, he's a fighter, and he's got a little bit of quality as well. So we're, we're going to just have to look at that kind of hole. Now, they'll probably set up in a 4-1-3-2, um, so that they, they will go for it. They will want a result. Um, the holding builder is a guy called Nigel. Now, I must pronounce this right. I don't know why I picked the names I can't pronounce. Um, <laughs> Nabel, Nigel At- Atangana. Atangana, we'll call him right. that. Um, he's been at Orient, Orient and Portsmouth. He was at the Portsmouth side that did really well in League Two, and then he was in the Orient side that didn't do quite so good in League Two. Um, they're decent players, but they're not having enough shots. Um, I think they are bottom of the table at the moment for shots on target, 37 throughout the whole season. Um, I, I just, yeah, I... I I don't fancy them. This is, again, the sort of game that if, if you're planning on being in the top three, you go there and win. 2-1, 1-0, you know, it's going to be close. It's got to be close. They all are at this level. Macclesfield are rock bottom and we only beat them 2-1. We drew with Grimsby. Mm. Um, but for me, yeah, I get the hoodoo. I get the whole, you know, we haven't beaten them in a while or, you know, we, last year and then once, I think a couple of years ago, as Sam said. Um, it's another win for me. Yeah, I, I can't really... I can't see much other than three points for us um, at the weekend. I've uh, I was a bit disappointed because um, my my sort of uh, you know in laws are, are down in in Gloucester, so I was I was hoping to get down there for the weekend, but uh, unfortunately I've been called in for work, um, so I shan't be there. But we did go last season, and it's it's not a pleasant ground. It's it, it's kind of in the middle of a it's in the middle of kind of like a, a bunch of trading estates, and and you know sort of small housing estates and it's just sort of it's tucked away it's hidden it, it doesn't feel doesn't feel like a, a football ground it's, it's very strange um but i yeah i honestly can't see i can't see much past us getting three points um i think the fact that you know you, you're saying they've not had that many shots on target i think or not that many shots in general um i think the fact that they've scored seven goals is it this season so far is is kind of like it just kind of shows where they are you know, it's it's not um, it, it's not an undeserved position. Let's just put it that much. Uh, let's put it that way. Sorry. So um, that's gonna uh, that's sort of putting it where it is for for Cheltenham. Um, and I don't know if you guys have heard this, but uh, I've I've been hearing a bit of a rumor on the internet um, that that Lincoln City uh, are a disgrace. Uh, <laughs> um, I mean this this was the work of genius. Um, it, it came from uh, Jack Mulhall, I think it was, uh, on uh, yeah. on Twitter, uh, in response to a very, very angry MK Dons fan. Um, so obviously there was a there was a banner um, that got unveiled by the 617 boys. Uh, we'll, we'll come to that in a second. But the, um, yeah, the, the banner uh, got unveiled and um, Margaret Blesser, the MK Dons fan, she was not happy 
she was not happy at all with the content of the banner. And um, Jack quoted her tweet, which said, uh, sorry to say, but your club are a disgrace. How can you allow fans to have a banner that causes vermin? You need to look at the behavior of the ball boy at our end after the whistle. So Jack responded with Jason Shackle doesn't thank the bus driver when he gets off the bus. Hashtag Lincoln City are a disgrace. Now, that then spawned what I can only describe as a torrent of slanderous tweets, I'm assuming, I'm hoping, um, directed towards players uh, from essentially fans of the club, um, just having a bit of a laugh, really. Uh, so we've decided to pick through uh, about two, three or four of our favourites each um, and just have a, a bit of a giggle about them because we all thought they were, a lot of them were pretty damn funny. So, Gary, do you want to kick us off with them? Yeah, well, first of all, I mentioned this is this is actually how we've invited Sam on the show because um, Sam did a, a, a couple as well and I did a piece on the Stacey West blog um, and all I did was try and pick one for every member of the squad. Now, as you might imagine, several members of the squad had got quite a few and then poor old Kellen Gordon apparently isn't that much of a disgrace. Um, and unfortunately, <laughs> when I was picking the tweets, I didn't pick one of Sam's and he quite rightly pulled Shocking. me up on it and said he was he was going to unfollow me. So, um, yeah, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully I've, I've saved it now. You know, I need all the all the followers I can get. Um, yeah, going on. I mean, there was some really, really good ones uh, and some really bad ones. I really liked, and I think it was uh, John Akindi, um, Claps When the Plane Lands. That was, uh, uh, was one Luke, yeah. Was it Juan Luque? Was it yeah. oh, shocking? Look at that. I haven't done my research, have I? Um, <laughs> I really liked that one. Uh, I quite liked uh, Matthew Mand had done. Lee Frecklington used to hire videos from blockbusters, but not rewind them when handing them back. <laughs> I love a retro <laughs> reference uh, every now and again. So that was a pretty good one. Um, and I will switch over to somebody who has researched better while I flick through them. So Sam, which were your favourites? <laughs> Uh, I've pulled off uh, Roger Jeffrey. Danny Cowley rang David Flickcroft at 3 a.m., said wow, then hung up. <laughs> That's pretty good. I like that. Because yeah. um, I know Alan Long quite well, speak to him quite a lot of time. Alan Long shouts, hello, co-op stand, every time he goes to Asda just to provoke a reaction. That was Dan Norton. <laughs> and uh, now this one really winds me up all the time at home. Michael Kitching, Matt Reed puts the loo roll on the holder the wrong way round. It has a way. It has a way. I'm not having. I'm not having that. Which way is the wrong way round? Oh, the got paper the, faces the towards you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, really? That's it. Yeah. yeah, the paper faces away from the wall. Oh, maybe now that I know why my missus leaves every week for for five days. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realise that. Go on, so what have um, you got for us, Ben? Um, so that I think the uh, some of the ones that I found were pretty good. Um, Lee Frecklington uses his mate's SkyGo password. <laughs> um, the, there was one that um, my my missus put up that I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna say was my missus just so I can get one of mine on the podcast. Um, it was uh, Jason Shackle still uses Windows XP. I saw that, and then you had put some sort of retort on there as well, hadn't you? That I didn't fully understand. <laughs> Um, I think the other one that I put up was uh, James Wilson still uses LimeWire, which uh, was I was quite pleased with that one. Um, Michael Boss, M- Michael Boswick owns a 4K TV, but he still watches everything in standard definition. <laughs> <laughs> I missed that one as well. That's quite good. That <laughs> I like that one. Um, 
and uh, yeah, there was there was uh, one that was actually uh, from from you, Gary, which was Neil Erdley sells multi pack bags of crisps individually, despite the pack saying not to. <laughs> Something I've always thought about doing for a quick book myself as well. <laughs> um, there was quite a lot that it seems that a lot of our boys have got supermarkets habits, don't they? There's a lot of people that used uh, eleven items in the ten item tray, and there was people that used yeah. Waitrose bags in in Aldi and. Um, all sorts of stuff. I quite liked, um, this one's from Stuart Wells. Uh, he's a good lad. Um, Matt Reed puts the milk back in the fridge, even though there's not enough left for a cup of tea. <laughs> <laughs> the number of times was- I've been bollocked for that. <laughs> there was a bit of controversy that, uh, that stemmed from this one as well. Cause I think it was, uh, I think it might have been Scott Wharton puts the uh, you know puts the empty bottle back in the fridge after they've uh, oh no sorry it was uh, I think it was Scott Wharton puts the milk in before the uh, before the water when he has Jay a McCartney yeah I, I so mean I, I don't know why we're arguing over the players because clearly they don't do it um, <laughs> I, I'm not going to discuss how to make tea I I think that we should smoothly segue away from it before I get called a heathen um, is it because you put the milk in first Gary as well. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, that's exactly why. Sam, milk in first or milk in second? Milk in last. Balls to you yeah. both. Right, so we're going to move on to I'm questions in- now anyway. I'm ignoring it now. You can both go to hell. This, uh, whatever. Um, so we said I mean, we'd I'm, a, invite- I'm a coffee man, so it's not, you know, it's not too bad. <laughs> so we said we'd invite some questions from some um, Twitter followers. And we've got four questions. So mm-hmm. it might not be word for word because... Um, I was probably not copied and pasted properly. Uh, but Kate Jackson is the first question. Now, we'll throw mm-hmm. this over to Sam for a start. Mm-hmm. If Clive Nates hadn't come along, how long would it have taken to get us back into the league or would we still be stagnating like uh, like Wrexham? Uh, it's an interesting question because it's, it's when you like try to work out when did the change actually come in the conference. Now, some people like to think that, Gary Simpson probably started to, well, he got rid of the revolving door idea that Holdsworth had. But um, when it was Moises, a lot of people said that he was really starting to bring the club back into the community. And that's when Clive Nates came on board. I actually met Clive. Uh, he went to a fans forum in Saxelby, um, just at some random pub. No idea why, but uh, it was him and Chris Moises there really talking about their plans for the future. And it was Clive was saying how he's going to be fully supporting Chris. Two days later, Chris announced he's leaving. So, uh, not really sure what happened there. He can't, I don't think you can possibly deny that we wouldn't be where we are without his help. He really, he really mm. knows his stuff. He's so passionate about the club. Um, a lot of the things that he, some of the simple things that he does that you don't see a chairman doing anywhere else. Um, like the we said earlier about the birthday messages that he just sends to people on Facebook. And I've had one myself. He's really, he's come as an outsider. It wasn't a Lincoln, like he's not Lincoln born, obviously. Um, but he's really trying to get the community together when he first came in. And then by appointing Danny and Nikki on the board, uh, they, I think it's really started to kick off then. I don't think we'd be where we are without his help. And I'd just like to thank him for it, really. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I'd, I'll echo that. I think, you know, there would not be, there would not be a fan in the, uh, you know, in that the, the has any 
shred of of passion for Lincoln City that that would say that I I I don't think we'd be here without the you know the the help the guidance and the support that Clive's given the club. I mean, it's it's not to to sit here and you know poo poo anybody else's involvement. Obviously, you know Bob. Um, if if it weren't for Bob, the club simply wouldn't be here. It's you Absolutely. know that's that's a matter of fact. You know, it's um, Bob remortgages house to to keep the club afloat, and there's not that many people in the world that would do that kind of thing for a football club. Um, but yeah, I think in terms of Clive's involvement, um, he's he's brought a he's brought a, a real business sense to the club that. I think some people are still trying to get their head round. I know there's a lot of people that, that still want to I don't want to use I don't want to use anything that sounds derogatory, but like there's a lot of people that still see it as just a football club. Um it obviously the the intricacies and you know the, the way that football works in twenty eighteen is that you have to have more than just a Saturday afternoon. You know, you have to have everything around it. And I think Clive has has realised that he's invested in the club and he's he's seen the potential that the that the club has, um, and the reason that I've come back to the club is you know the reason that I've I've fallen back in love with it is because you've had this you've had this dearth of of anything you've had you've not had any passion you've not had any just nothing for so long, um, and then like you said uh, Sam the you know when when uh, Moises was coming in and saying right. I want to bring the club back into the community. I want to, you know, sort of try and knit the people of Lincoln around the club again. It, it struggled for a while because of that. There was just that time in the, you know, in in the in the wilderness, and, and nothing really happened. But slowly, I think with you know with Clive leaving, and I think ultimately having that thing where he said, you know, I'm fully behind Clive, uh, I'm fully behind Chris, and you know, I'm fully behind everything there, and then Chris leaves the following day. I think that's a case of well. Clive was fully behind him, but I think he just realised, and I think Chris as well himself realised, you know, I need to move away from this to to help it grow and to help it come back to life. Um, obviously, bringing in Danny and Nikki, and and I think they've been on the record as saying that Clive was a massive part of them coming into the club. Um, I, I mean, after, you know, after that after that press conference, the rest history. You know, I think uh, to, to to sort of answer the question quite bluntly, I think if if Clive hadn't come in, I think we would we would still be struggling. Um, the, the conference, you know, the National League is an incredibly difficult league to get out of. Um, it's it's not a it's not a place that I'd you know it's not really a league that I'd wish many clubs to be in. Um, there is a part of me that you know wants to say I'd love to see Grooms being counted down there next season, but ultimately, if by some miracle, you know, or if by a series of circumstances we don't end up getting promoted this season it's nice to have a couple of local derbies i mean you know i, I don't like seeing teams really really struggle and, and drop into the you know drop through the trap door into non-league obscurity because it's i mean it's a nightmare to get out of there um and i think yeah without clive's help we'd, we'd still be really struggling what do you reckon gary yeah like, i mean i'll pick up a couple of points i think first of all um clive would cringe if he heard us saying um, he's driven this, he's driven that, because I think it is very much a team effort on the board. I think there's some very good members of the board who um, who were perhaps here before Clive. I think that the the green shoots of recovery do go back away. Um, Sam picked up about it possibly going as, as far back as Gary Simpson because he did stop the revolving door. I would argue to a degree, and people will shoot me down all day long, I actually think David Holdsworth did some good stuff for the club. 
because um, he was forced to work under a very, very tight budget. And he did save us from relegation with Tilson, which I think would have happened. He wasn't the man to take us forward, but the book kind of stopped there. Um, you know, Carl Scholten, the carnage at Carl Scholten, which I don't doubt Sam was probably there. I certainly wasn't. Um, but moving on, how long would it have taken to get back into the league? I'm not going to say we wouldn't be back already. Um, I don't think we would have progressed how we had, but if a Macclesfield team of good, honest, hard workers can win the league last year, there's no reason why the direction we were moving in wouldn't have eventually led us to a playoff place or something like that. Because when you look at the players that we'd had come in uh, pre-Clive, when you look at the likes of Ben Tomlinson and Jordan Burrow, John Nolan, Sean Newton, um, Andrew Boyce, you know, we actually had some very, very good players come through. Gary Simpson couldn't get the best out of them. I'm, I'm not a Gary Simpson fan. I know that he did some good stuff. He's not somebody that I considered to be a good football manager I think he was a good assistant manager um, but I do think that teams like Wrexham it, it, they're only one player one kick two wins away from from kicking on you know you when you look at where they're finished in the leagues they're only ever you know, turning four draws into wins away from being in the playoffs and I think it's those narrow margins that make it very hard to say we would definitely still be in the National League or we wouldn't what is absolutely not in doubt at all is that we wouldn't be the club today that we are if Clive hadn't come and invested when he had, because he has brought um, additional investors in. Uh, he's he's helped set the club on a course that has has then been kind of pushed by a lot of very good people, and obviously he was a key component along with Bob in bringing Danny and Nicky in. So um, it's a tough question, and I you know I think it's easy to look at, at, at Clive's influence and look at where we are now and say it's um, you know oh we'd still be stuck in the doldrums. But football's a very fast changing game, and you know it's actually probably impossible to try and say whether we would or whether we wouldn't. Um, yeah, I, I think that's fair. So hopefully, Kate, um, um, hopefully that answers your question. Um, are we ready for the next question, boys? Absolutely. Let's go for it. Right. So we'll go over to Sam again. Sam, what's your favourite Subway? BLT. Easily. Uh, garlic and herb, lettuce, peppers, tomatoes, barbecue sauce and spicy cheese toasted. There's a man who knows what he likes. That is a good shout. I've prepared your questions. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it, yeah, Italian BMT, uh, foot long, hearty Italian, lettuce, tomato, cucumbers, bit of mayo, job done. Or that new like steak and cheese wrap that they've got. That's awesome. Um, I like the one that connects where Holford's used to be to the British Heart Foundation. <laughs> um, I can't eat Subway. There was a new Subway opened up in Camborne when I lived there and it was next door to the McDonald's and I kind of thought, oh, I'll have a Subway. I actually got food poisoning. Uh, and when you've literally tasted a Subway coming up the wrong way for about 24 hours, um, you just can't eat them. So I, I don't do Subway. I, I'll pass. I'll have the money instead if that's all right. Okay, I can, I can, I can appreciate that. That makes sense. Okay. So, hopefully, Chris Hodson, that's answered your rather odd question. And now we will get back to football. Uh, we've got a question from Scott Colley. I have kind of cut it down a little bit. Fans leaving early. What's the verdict, boys? Who wants that first? Well, I think I've made my feelings perfectly clear on the matter of fans leaving early before. Um, however, I will state again: got no problem with you leaving early as long as you get a fucking wriggle on. Oh, oh God! Here we go. Swery Ben. <laughs> Sorry, I'll uh, I'll edit that out. No, get a fucking wriggle on. 
<laughs> Sam? I don't think I've ever left a game early. I always stuck it out, even some of the shocking results that were going against us in the conference. Never left early. I've paid my money. I stay to the end. And then either I throw the abuse on at the end or I clap them off, as the case is quite now. I get why they do no, I get why they do it, and it, it, like uh, at the home games, especially at the minute with the traffic problems, I get how you want to get out early. It helps some of us when we do decide to leave, but we're stood at the top of the top of the co-op stand for a good ten minutes before we can move down the steps. Um, but no, don't leave early. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> That's what makes me angry. How many goals would we have missed in the last three years? leaving early can you imagine if you left early at Burnley <laughs> Forest Green yeah I, mean, I, I get I get the argument I, yeah I kind of get that and I think I think there's a time to judge it I mean there was no way I would have left with a good game poised at one all on Saturday not a chance um, Crawley I might have been out the ground a minute or two beforehand um, it's different for me I've got you know, 45, 50 minutes to drive home. I park right near the ground because usually I've got fanzines or something and, and a 10 minute in the ground can, can cost me 30 minutes on the way home. Um, I don't, excuse me, I don't subscribe to fans judging other fans per se. Um, you know, I think if it's right in some instances, if, if people are hurling abuse or there's something that's widely unacceptable, um, you know, people who say, oh, but I pay my money so I can, I can call Jason Shackler, fuck with, or whatever. Those people for me, you know, you pay your money to support your team. You don't pay your money to, to throw rotten vegetables at them. Um, but if you pay your money and you think, oh, I want to get away at one or more for you, you know, I'm, I'm not going to have a go at them. I don't, I'm not going to call them less of a fan because I've still walked through the turnstile and paid their money. Mm-hmm. And it all erupted against crew, didn't it? Last year when we were four one down and some fans left and and some other fans thought that it was the new fans leaving and in actual fact it was some old timers leave. When I say old timers, I mean old people. I mean you know longer term fans and you know it all blew up a little bit. I just think to a certain degree, live and let live. You know. Mm. Yeah, I, I you know I I don't have a problem with you know with people leaving like you say you paid your money you you do what you like you know it's it's not. It, it's not a case of you have to sit there. You have to sit in your seat until the very, very end of the game, or the, you know you'll you'll be smitten. You know, be smited for the rest of your your days as a Lincoln City fan. You know, it's not going to be, it's not going to be like that. But it, like I said, if you want to leave the game early, walk down the stairs and walk out of the ground. Don't stand there for ten minutes. And I'm going to stop myself there. Uh, it reminds me, <laughs> I used my season ticket used to be the back row of the lower tier of the co-op. All I remember back then was people leaving early, but then they would stand at the, the top of the steps if we're going going on the attack or something, and they'll wait. And you just remember all the people stood behind, just trying to get them out of the way because then they couldn't see. If you make the decision to go, yeah. just just go, get out of the way of everyone else. Absolutely. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I'd agree with that to a degree. Um, I think if you're on the lower tier, I've got no problem with people accumulating in the corners. I remember doing that as a kid, you know, in the early 90s or the late 80s, you'd, you'd go out and then you'd all stand in the corner kind of watching because you wanted to be out early, but, you know, dad wanted to catch the pub opening. But, um, you, you know, you but anyway, so we'll move on to the final question for today. If you did send any more in apologies, but we do only have a certain amount of time. Um, this is from Gabe Foley. 
And uh, more or less, he says, if we fall short of promotion this season, do we think that would be judged as failure? And what would we need to achieve in the FA Cup or EFL trophy to soften that? Um, now, if I may, gentlemen, I'll pick this one up first of all. Um, mm-hmm. if, yes, it will be failure and we need to win the FA Cup. So over to you. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I guess. Like, I I think um, it would be, in my eyes, it would be classed as a failure this season if we didn't go up. Um, the start we've had, the, you know, the... the, the the recruitment beforehand, you know, we've, we've broken our transfer record for a new striker. Um, we've, you know, we've recruited very, very well. We've got the strongest squad in the league, bar none, I, I think it's fair to say. Um, you know, we've got strength in depth. We've got players that can come in. I mean, one thing that we've not really talked about is that we're two games through Lee Frecklington's suspension and we haven't talked about how we've missed him. You know, I think it's been it's a testament to the strength that we've got in the squad um, that, that we're not, we're not lamenting, you know, Lee's moment of madness against Crawley. Uh, yeah. Against Crawley. And, and we're sat here thinking, bloody hell, you know, six points out of six while he's been suspended. And I've not really, you know, no disrespect to him. I've not really thought about the fact that we've missed him because we haven't. Um, but yeah, I think if we don't get promoted this season, I think that will be classed as a failure. If we, get to the playoffs I think it's going to be a lot of people in Lincoln are going to be buying you know um, lots and lots of Imodium or is it what's the other one is it Imodium's the one that keeps it in isn't it I don't know I've um, not had to use anything like that <laughs> I think it's Imodium the one that keeps it in you know there's going to be a lot of that being sold in, in the city because it's uh, it's always an early time if you're in the playoffs and I, I think top three is is the goal um, and I think we're, we're going to achieve it I don't think there's anything that's that's going to stop us. Um, as for you know what it would take to to to, uh, to sort of overshadow that, I think you know getting past where we've been. Um, I think we'll have to we'll have to win the EFL trophy and we'll have to get to the quarterfinals, the FA Cup, to even be you know to remotely have our, our attentions taken away from from not getting promoted. So, Sam, what do you reckon? Um- for me, I'm still happy as long as we are competing for the top three. If we fall short and we finish fourth, it's an improvement on last year. Uh, I've never, never seen a team with so much strength in depth. Uh, some people are arguing as whether John Akinde should be in the team or whether Green should be playing up top with him or why Green is definitely the better striker to go with never seen a team which you could play anyone who was on that bet on the bench on Saturday could have been in the team and would probably mm-hmm. walk into any other team in our league so if we're not in around about the top four spaces then I w- that's when I would probably be disappointed but for me as someone who went home and away to all those games in the six years in the wilderness I'm just still absolutely buzzing as to what's happening to the club at the minute. So for me, as long as we're in that top four spot, it doesn't have to be win the win the league or scrape into third. I just want us to be competing, which is what we are doing. And but if we did, not too bothered about the EFL trophy. Um, the FA Cup. I'd, I'd like us to get to third round this year. Try and get a decent team. Like we won last year, one game away from playing Tottenham, which would have been nice. 
Um, but yeah, I'd like to see us get to the third round of the FA Cup. Fair enough. Fair enough. And I'll I'll pick it up. I mean, I I'll be honest. I kind of I get what you're saying, Sam. I, you know, we we want to be competing and all of that. But by virtue of the fact that we have the strongest squad that we've ever had in our lifetimes, I mean, you know, you've you've watched everything, Sam. I know that. I I've been supporting the club thirty odd years. We'll we'll say um, we've never had a squad like this. Not not so rich in depth and talent. Um, and as you say, anybody who was on our bench on Saturday would walk into any other League Two team. When you're in that position, when you're that strong. Surely anything outside the top three has got to be judged as failure. And I understand the progression and I understand we don't want to put the pressure on the players. I doubt very much they're listening to this anyway. But from a, from what I've seen, not just on the pitch, but everything that's going on off it as well, it would be a failure. EFL trophy, couldn't give a toss about. I'd rather win the 50-50 on match day. Been there, done it, completed it, mate, whatever. Um, FA Cup, the thing is, would you have taken the quarterfinal in the FA Cup or the National League title? You take the National League title every time. And okay, if we hadn't, if we hadn't won the National League, you would have gone, yeah, we've had a good season. Um, but we still wouldn't have gone up. So for me, to answer Gabe's question, genuinely, what would we need to achieve in the FA Cup in order for it to soften the blow? We would need to either win it or come in the semi-finals. It's as simple as that because we would need to do something that was unparalleled. We would need to do something that people looked and went wow, what an achievement that is. And the only way you're going to do that, unfortunately, with the club, with the, with what we've got now, is to better what's gone before. And we got to the quarterfinals before and we knocked a Premier League team out on their own ground before. I don't care about the Cups. If Danny wants, he can play the, and we haven't got one, but we can play the kids, play the kids in the FA Cup first round. I get that we could get third round tie and it'd be a big game and blah, blah, blah. Only one thing matters this season and one thing only, that's the league. I mean, do you think that whole thing about, you know, oh, we could get a big game, we could, you know, we could get a big club in the third round. Do you think that matters this season? Like, we've, you know, we've obviously had, you know, we had the National League season when, you know, we got, you know, Oldham, Ipswich, Burnley and Arsenal. And Brighton. Do we? And Brighton, of course, yes. You know, do we need that? You know, do we need that big tie to to keep us going at the moment? Because financially, my understanding is that clubs doing okay. You know, but in terms of in, in terms of getting that big, you know, that big money game, it's I don't think we need it. I really don't. My understanding is that we have invested heavily this season in infrastructure in the ground, in the playing squad particularly. And I don't think there's anybody at the football club that if you said, we'll have Manchester United in the third round of the FA Cup, is going to go, yeah, but how's it going to impact the league? I'm not saying we need money. I'm not saying we're skint. But at the same time, I would imagine when the accounts come out that cover this year, there will be a significant minus figure. Now, that's not anything to put the football club under any danger. You know, it's, it's fact. We've got a good competitive budget. We've spent a lot of money in a lot of areas on a lot of staff. Um, and we've not gone for broke, is my understanding. Don't get me wrong. I, I don't know. This isn't something I'm saying for, for hardcore fact. But at the end of the day, if we were to have an FA Cup game and just top that bank balance back up, it's nice. We haven't got a bank balance where we can yeah. start throwing fivers out in the crowd. Um yeah. Well, I mean I think that's that's what I'm saying is it's not it's not an absolute necessity, you know. I think if we go out in the second round to, you know, I don't know, to someone in League 1, I, I don't think there's going to be too many problems, but 
it, it's not like it, you know, it's not like we are desperate for the injection of cash that, that a big game would provide, surely. No, and I also think that you've, you've got to look at the squad and kind of think, okay, so let's say first round, 75% chance of being drawn against a non-league team or a team in our league. And even our second 11, and then, I mean an entire second 11 from one right the way through, should beat 95% of the teams that we could draw at our level or in the league below. Um, arguably possibly should compete against anyone we draw in the second round as well. So, you know, I don't think it's a case of either or. I just think as a fan, if you're offered it at this moment in time, and I know some will go for the FA Cup on a big day, you know, it's all personal preference. Um, I, I said, you know, we should we prioritise the, the Checker Trade Trophy or the League Cup because I felt it was the Checker Trade Trophy. I think there's, you know, there's financial reward there. But in terms of progression for the football club, all of the cup competitions are basically, in my opinion, just a way to keep the fringe players active and and ready. Yeah, no, that's that's totally fair. Um, right, I think um, I, I did want to. There was one more thing that I just wanted to to talk about quickly, um, and that was obviously the the topic of of Big John um, John Akindi. Uh, I think we've all mentioned that. You know, I think he's uh, Sam. I know you mentioned there that we've we've got a bit of a debate raging at the moment among among fans to say, you know, oh, well, who's the better striker? What you know, why is he playing or whatever? I think around me on Saturday there were some people that were heavily critical of of John Akindi, um, and the fact that you know when when we came away and you know we, we turned on Radio Lincolnshire and Tomo had given him his man of the match. I, I almost sat there and just thought that is the perfect way to turn around and stick two fingers up to to the people that are saying what you're doing. Because from my point of view, Saturday was the best game I've seen John Akindi play. I think he, he he ran his arse off. You know, he held the ball up well. He he, he had a, at one point he had four defenders on him and he still managed to come away with the ball. Like you don't do that unless you are an excellent player particularly at this level. And I think the people giving him some stick were, I mean, they, they just don't see it. They, they see him as the same kind of player that Matt Reed is. And he's not, you know, it's, it's not a, it's not a criticism of him. They are completely different players. And I think when you're looking to just lump it up and drop it on his head, there's sometimes that, yeah, all right, maybe he could probably do with taking a step or two and, you know, running into the ball. But, 99% of the time on Saturday, he did exactly the right thing. I mean, there was one point where he just, I think he ran back and made a tackle just our, you know, defensive side of the halfway line um, and then sprinted back to where he was. And I thought that is a, that's a striker that knows what he's doing. He knows he's got his spatial awareness. He's got his positional awareness and thinks, right, they're going to lose this here. I'm going to run back. I'm going to make that tackle. And then I'm going to get back to where I need to be. And I think it, it summed the game up for me, for him. He was, he was fantastic. I mean, uh, Sam, what were your, what were your thoughts on Akindi on, on Saturday and indeed in general? Well, people around me will just completely argue with everything that you've said because he's over six foot tall, he's well, he's well built, so he must be a Matt Reed type player. He must have to win every single header and flick it on. That, that's his job, isn't it? Because that's what he looks like, so he must be Matt Reed. But that's not our game anymore. If you If you watch what he actually does, he's not looking to flick the ball on because we haven't got 
uh, a Theo Robinson or um, Matt Green's not playing with him to go into the channels to win the ball. He's trying to bring the midfield into the game. He doesn't go for the header. He tries to uh, bring it down, chest it down and, and find McCartan or find one of the wingers. That That's what his game is. Now, what's uh, probably... One of the, the annoying things for me is that Matt, when Matt Reed plays, he's brilliant at what he does, and you can't deny that he wins most of the headers. But when you watch him, when the ball goes long to him, he tries to win every single header, even if he knows he's not going to get it. And a lot of the time, that's what gets the fouls that the ref give. Uh, he, he'll clatter into the play, he'll take someone out, and there was no way he was ever going to win that header. Now, the thing about Akinde is he knows when he's not going to win something. So he didn't go for it. And I think that's what's frustrating the people around me. But if he was going to go for every single ball, he's going to pick up injuries. He's going to be knackered by the end of the game. And he's not going to be able to make the runs that he does. So mm. I think people have to get over the fact that he is not Matt Reed. That is not his game, and he is good at what he does. He, I think mm-hmm. he's probably the best striker I've seen in, in his type of player. And the only person from my time of watching that I would question that with is maybe Taylor Fletcher, from what I can remember, because was quite young then. But yeah, best striker I've seen. Yeah, least. I'm. I mean, I, I, I can defend John Akindi all day long. I mean, I'm just looking at, um, on, on StatBunker, I'm looking at assists. Tells me here, John Akindi's got four. Um, that's joint top with Alex Revel, who we were linked with, I think, in January of last year. It's ahead of Hiram Boateng on three. It's ahead of Padraig Amand, who's, who's a great striker, on three. It's ahead of George Williams, who went to Euro 2016 on two. Um, so please, you know, I, I don't want to hear fans telling me that he's that he's crap, four assists, four goals, or five goals, isn't it, with, with one in the cup? And um, yeah. I get it yeah. that they're looking for somebody to flick the ball on. But then they're the same people that moan about us playing long ball. It's, uh, you make your mind up. Basically, the thing mm-hmm. that John McKinney is suffering for is not being Matt Reed, And it fascinates me because the same people that tell you that John Akindi isn't doing the job that Matt Reed does, the same people that tell you that Matt Reed is lazy and can't move and doesn't get that mobility, which is what John Akindi brings. <laughs> so, you know, John Akindi's our record yeah. signing. You know, it might be undisclosed, but he's our record signing. I think that's you know, general, generally accepted. He hasn't scored easy goals at the moment. He hasn't perhaps been Christian Deutsch, which is what people seem to think. If you offered me John Akindi or Jaden Stockley, I'd take John Akindi all day long. Same with Amand, same with Ravel, same with any striker in this division. Mm-hmm. Bar none. Um, he's settling in. He's getting better every game. Yeah. You can see when he's when he's on his game, he's got this raw power. I mean, I'm sure Sam was at Exeter and you know he had this raw power that he just turned on and you can see that he's a big man. He has to save that. Now, bear in mind, Matt Reed didn't have that. I love Reedy. He didn't have that raw power at all. He had Reedy had finesse, but you know, it, for him to conjure something up, he needed the space and the time. John Akindi will create. John Akindi will score double figures this season. He might not get to 20, but when you've got 13 or 14 players all chipping in with two, three, four, five goals, why do you need a 20 goal a season striker? So it's my, that's my, my thought. Yeah. And you know, it's a hundred percent right. I think, 
the fact is that I, you know, I, I got a, I got a message from um, a, a lovely fellow at Radio Lincolnshire on Saturday to, to say, do you want to speak to Michael after the game today? And, you know, I was, um, I think you, you text me and said, oh, I don't think he's recognised you um, on, on the radio. <laughs> um, but I said, I said there, and I will say it again. The problem with John Akindi is that he makes everything look easy. He will make everything, you know, he'll make the most difficult run forward to go past three defenders. He'll make it look like he's just having a bit of a stroll. And he did that time after time on Saturday. Um, there was uh, there was a couple of posts that I, that you know were linked to from from an MK Don's forum, and they said you know they were seeing it. They were saying you know Akindi is a massive handful. We've stuck three defenders on him, and he's still you know he's still coming away with it. He's still managing to get you know a shot off, or he's managing to get the ball away. I think it's it's telling when you watch that video back from you know from the last uh, from the goal from McCartan's goal. He's got he's got two players on him. Like they were, they were marking him so tight, and he was still coming away with everything. It doesn't matter that he didn't score. I think if he'd have scored, it would have shut a lot of people up, to be honest. But it doesn't matter that he's not getting the goals at the minute. He's he's contributing so much more to this team than I th- I ever thought it would be possible for him to do. And uh, yeah, I'd, he's our record signing for a reason. Let's just put it that way. But uh, anyway. That's probably going to do us. Um, what we'll do, we'll, we'll as ever, we'll, we'll sort of end with plugs. Uh, Sam, have you got anything as our, you know, as our illustrious guest? Do you have anything that you'd like to plug or pimp out or do anything with? Uh, if you've not been, Cheltenham's a lovely place. <laughs> it's got the uh, Gustav Holst birthplace, um, and I think Lincoln might be playing there on Saturday. So if you've got nothing on on Saturday, just get down. That's all for me. Or follow me on Twitter at Sam underscore Ray. There you go. That's that's what this is for. Uh, Gary, anything you want to plug this week? I'd like to plug the fact that our lowest attendance this season is 8,016 for one game and Crawley Town's collective attendance for this season in all of their home games is 8,083. Other than that, Stacey West has sold out by the Cowley method. I've still got a few of those left. And if you're feeling really flush, all my books are still available on Amazon. There we go. You see, that's how it's done. Um, I'd just like to, as ever, just plug uh, plug the gaming website, nextgenbase.com, Twitter at nextgenbase. Um, I am on Twitter at Winstano. Gary is on Twitter at Stacey West Blog. And that has been uh, a slightly extended uh, episode six of the Stacey West podcast. Uh, thank you for joining us, Sam. It's been a pleasure. Uh, we'll, you know, hope to have you on again at some point. Thank you. And uh, yeah, once again, thanks for joining us, Gary. And thank you for listening. Do subscribe, leave us a review on iTunes. Um, you know, let's get us above hope and glory if we can. Um, and uh, we will see you guys next week. Bye bye. It's the 90th minute and all your mates around watching the imps on iFollow. You've got your McNugget share boxes on the go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping, but then you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The number one selling product of its kind with over 20 years of research and innovation. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. 
Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.